Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com. That's patreon.com forward slash baldhead Bible. And there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. Jesus had fought well and had defeated Satan's tests. And he fought using the one thing still available to us today. He used scripture, specifically three verses from a book most of us probably barely know, or some of us, we haven't even read it, the book of Deuteronomy. I mean, if it were me, I would have picked Genesis or a really cool book like Romans, but Remember, when Jesus lived, he only had the Old Testament to use. And in fact, Jesus chose from probably one of the more popular books of his day, a book from the Torah. The Torah was made up of five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. These books were foundational to the Jewish faith and made up what was often referred to as the law. So Jesus used verses from a book that every good Jew would have known and memorized and purposed in his heart to live by. I think it might be a good thing if we followers of Jesus today devote ourselves to studying those five books again in more detail. Well, Jesus, using the book of Deuteronomy, had one defeated Satan, and defeated him by simply reciting scripture and living by those words. And now, now he could eat. Remember, he had fasted for 40 days and nights before the attack by Satan. Think about that. About a month and a half, roughly, without food. That must have been draining in and of itself. But now, now it was over and God the Father sent angels to minister to Jesus. Now what that means in my head is that Jesus sent angels who fed him bread, butter, honey, lamb, and all kinds of kosher meat. Oh, oh, and little Debbie oatmeal cream pies as well. Or maybe some hostess ding-dongs, to be fair. I I don't know. Probably throw in some water, milk, juice, Mountain Dew, you know, everything needed to revive Jesus and feed his stomach. And and these angels probably not only fed to his physical needs, but they also ministered, I think, to his spiritual needs, encouraging him, telling him how proud the Father was of him, quoting scripture to him as well, I bet. Now, Jesus was ready to head back to full-time ministry. And so he went back to his hometown of Nazareth and there began preaching and teaching and healing. Because that is what Matthew says Jesus did in his time in Nazareth. 
and in this whole region. He taught in the synagogues, and he taught and preached to his disciples, and then he healed everyone. Everyone brought to him with a disease. He healed those with all kinds of afflictions. He didn't turn anyone away, not one person. And I think it was during one of those moments when someone came up to him and told him the news, the bad news. Your cousin John, he's been arrested and put in prison. Now, Matthew doesn't tell you why John was arrested right there in Matthew chapter 4, just that he was. Well, later on in Matthew 14, Matthew does tell us why John was arrested. See, John had spoken out against a political figure of his day. He'd condemned Herod Antipas for having divorced his wife and then having married Herodias, the divorced wife of Herod's half-brother Philip. I mean, this had wrong written all over it. It was especially going against the commands of the Torah, right? Commands found in the Old Testament. Well, Herod, when he found out that John was publicly condemning him, had John arrested, and this was not good news. I wonder if in hearing the increased persecution of his cousin that Jesus decided to leave the region of Nazareth and to head further north into a region called Galilee. The writer Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, seems to point to other reasons why Jesus decided to leave Nazareth and head north into Galilee. And, and we'll get to those when we tell the story of Jesus from Luke's perspective. But here in Matthew, it's interesting. It sure looks like Matthew is linking the two, John the Baptist's arrest and imprisonment, and Jesus making his next move, heading north. And I think that's why Jesus might have moved, according to Matthew. Hey, we're going to imprison John for speaking out, and you're next, Jesus. Well, Jesus knew that, and he knew his time hadn't come yet. And so to keep the timetable to the triumphal entry to the cross, to have all that arrive on time, now was not the time for him to get arrested. And I think Jesus decided... Now he had to move north. He had to move into Galilee. So Jesus then heads north a little bit from Nazareth and not too far. And, and he stays in a town called Capernaum. Now Capernaum is a fishing village on the shores of a lake called the Sea of Galilee. Now why it was called a sea when it was a lake? Well, hey, that's a good question. And the only reason I have found for it being sometimes called a sea is because of tradition. And I wonder if some tourist industry in the area was like, come see our sea. It's just a lake. No, it's magnificent, just like a sea. I don't know, but it was called the Sea of Galilee. And in other versions, it's called Lake Gennesaret. And Matthew points out that Jesus left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum, a village on the shores of the sea slash lake. In this region, the upper half of Galilee, there were roughly 204 towns, which had about 15,000 residents in them. And one researcher doing his math calculated it would have taken Jesus at least three months of working, 
constantly seeing people, constantly doing good, constantly healing, constantly teaching, constantly preaching, would have taken him three months without a day off, except for Sabbath, because he couldn't do any work on the Sabbath. But it would have taken him three months to get through all those cities. See, Jesus would enter a city, he'd find the synagogue, and he would preach. And Matthew tells us that after the arrest of John, Matthew says, Jesus began preaching the same message as John. He began preaching this. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. That was what John had been preaching in Matthew 3, verse 2. And now Jesus began to preach that same message now that John was no longer able to publicly preach that message. Repent! Repent! Ask for forgiveness for your sins. Stop sinning. Confess your sins. Give up your sinful ways. Turn around. Leave going in one direction. Start heading in another. Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is near. Or some versions say at hand. Now think about it. When John preached that message, he probably would have pointed to Jesus, you know? Or talked about the coming Messiah. But when Jesus preached, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near, I think he would have smiled and pointed to himself. And then he would have pointed to the larger crowds of people who were following him. And why were they following him? Because they were healed. He could bring people forward when he preached, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And he could bring people forward who could testify that they were once racked with demon possession or overcome with some tragic disease. But then Jesus healed them. The kingdom of heaven is talked about in the Old Testament. A kingdom where you are healed, where miracles occur, where Jesus saves, or where a Messiah takes care of his children. That kingdom, that kingdom mentioned in the Old Testament is here. And look, I have evidence I can show you disciple after disciple after disciple. Now, Matthew tells of large crowds of people that followed Jesus wherever he went. And what's interesting is a lot of the people in those crowds, they were outside of Israel. They weren't even Jews. People from up north and from Syria, people called Gentiles. And these people were getting healed and many of them began to follow Jesus. And some of them even chose to become a disciple. Matthew he then quotes from Isaiah showing how Jesus, when he moved north into the upper regions of Galilee, first settled under Joshua by the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali, when he moves into that area that Jesus, he's fulfilling scripture. He's fulfilling prophecies made by the prophet Isaiah, specifically prophecies about spiritual light illuminating the spiritual darkness of this region and of the Gentiles in this region seeing the light. Well, these crowds, they were captivated by Jesus and his message. And these crowds, because of the healing, because of what was happening, and some, I think, out of true love for Jesus, but others because they, they wanted to be healed and they liked the show. Either way, these crowds began to grow and to grow. And it was during this three- to four-month period where he ministers and works in Galilee that Jesus called four of his greatest disciples. Four men who would become his friends, and three of whom would later become his 
best friends. His inner circle that he would lean on in the stress of ministry. His inner circle that he would cry to and, and, and tell them of the coming suffering in the Garden of Gethsemane. Those three. But ultimately, we hear in Matthew's story that he calls four. He first calls Peter and Andrew. Well, they were out there fishing on the Sea of Galilee. They were tossing circular nets and casting them into the lake. Now, these nets had a rope, and when they would splash into the water and then sink down, and then they would start to pull it back towards the boat, and as these nets moved back towards the boat, it would collect fish after fish, floop, floop, caught in the net, floop, floop, and then finally that net would close around it, and hopefully by the time they pulled the net on board, it was full of fish, and they would do this repeatedly. Well, according to Matthew's story, one day Jesus, he just calls across the water to Peter and Andrew. And he tells them, follow me. And they did. And Jesus adds this. According to Matthew's telling of it, one day Jesus calls across the water to Peter and Andrew and tells them to follow me. And if you follow me, I will make you not fishers of fish, but fishers of men. And when Peter and Andrew heard that, what Matthew tells us is they immediately left their nets and followed Jesus. They immediately. That word occurs again and again in this story. Andrew and Peter, hey, I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me, says Jesus. And they drop their nets and they immediately follow him. Later, Jesus encounters James and John and their father Zebedee mending their nets in their boats. And, and Jesus calls out and asks them to follow him. And James and John, they immediately, immediately leave their boats, left their father, left their business to follow Jesus. According to Matthew, there was no hesitation. Jesus called, so they obeyed. But I keep thinking, that's great, but think about the cost. This wouldn't have been easy, I don't think, to leave family and safety of a job to follow Jesus, but they didn't care about that cost. They just loved Jesus. And I, and I think it's interesting that they left immediately. You know, I, I wish I was that brave. I wish I was that faithful. I, I mean, I'd like to think I would have followed eventually, you know. I would have put in my two-week notice. Hey, wait, Jesus, I got to put in my two-week notice, and then I got to say goodbye to my dad, and, and then I got to make sure my shifts are covered, and that I got to train the new employee coming in, and then after all that, I would have left. Maybe. But then I, during that time, I might have gotten cold feet and rationalized my way out of it. But not these guys, not Peter, Andrew, James, and John, not these four. They immediately followed. They immediately obeyed God. They immediately followed and obeyed God's call on their lives. And so these four men became full-time disciples of Jesus. They followed Jesus. They sat at his feet as he began to teach 
They probably helped, you know, feed some of the people, helped corral the burgeoning crowds as they swelled in numbers, you know, trying to get them heading in the right direction to follow Jesus. But more importantly, I think these four listened to the words of Jesus. They listened to his teaching for the next three to four months and, and forever, right? They never stopped learning from Jesus. Think about it. They got to know Jesus by eating with him, by talking with him, by walking with him. Well, one day, Jesus, he looks behind and he sees how large the crowd's following. He looks behind and sees how large the crowd's following him had become. And I wonder if he thought to himself, many are following me, but... How many know what I actually teach? How many knows how many knows what it means to repent? How many knows what it means that the kingdom of heaven is near? And how many know exactly what I mean by the kingdom? So Jesus he walks to the top of a mountain nearby. That's what Matthew says. He goes to the top of a mountain, sits down, and from there, he could command a view. And there, he could look out on the massive crowd following him. And they all sat down. Why did they all sit down? Because Jesus sat down. When your rabbi sits down, you sit down. Because he's about to teach. And that massive crowd sat down. And it's full of true disciples who Jesus knew about. It's full of some fake disciples who Jesus also knew about. It's full of some Pharisees who are it's full of some Pharisees who are following along just to try to trick Jesus, try to catch him out, or, or to check this Jesus out. Is he, is he really who he says he is? And it's this massive crowd of people full of some true disciples, some fake disciples, some Pharisees who liked him, some Pharisees who didn't trust him, some leading religious authorities of his day, that's what those Pharisees were, who wanted to make sure he was doctrinally right and dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's and, you know, they were checking him out and the, the crowd is full of this big mix of people and Jesus sits down and now he's going to teach them and now he's going to preach what it means to be a part of his kingdom. Jesus is about to give the greatest sermon I think there ever was. And his sermon, this sermon, has become known so well. It's got a very famous title. You know what that sermon was? Well, if you come back next week, we'll find out what that sermon was. But... Jesus in this sermon is going to tell the people what his kingdom is all about. And I just want to encourage you, whoever's listening to this, if you have never repented of your sins, if you've never said, I want to put my trust fully in Jesus, I want to put my believing loyalty in him, I'm not going to put my trust, my believing loyalty in my works, my ability to save myself and my good works and my smartness and my intelligence. I'm not going to put it in another God. You may have been worshiping another God. No, I am going to put my faith and trust and believing loyalty in Jesus. If you do that, that's repentance. 
You're saying, I'm going to stop living this way. I'm going to stop living for this God. And I'm going to repent. Dear Lord, please forgive me. And the Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I urge you, pray, ask Jesus to save you. Repent of your sin. Say, I want to follow you all my days, Lord Jesus, because you are the one and only living God, and I will follow you. If you do that, welcome to the kingdom. Welcome to the kingdom of God. Thank you for listening to Bald Head Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week. Thank you.